And amen. If you have your Bibles, I believe the Lord's just put a word in my heart this morning and also tonight. And just look unto the Lord for these messages. But if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 16. And I want to speak just on this title. And if you can remember just these three words, afterward, he appeared. Afterward, he appeared. In Mark chapter 16, verse 13, just as we turn there, just tonight I want to speak on prepare ye the way of the Lord. And then remember our Bible study on Wednesday night. And this Wednesday, there is a river. We'll talk about that river in Psalm 46 again, there is a river, and just remember that for Wednesday night, and then praise the Lord for the Lighthouse Club on Thursday with Andy and Ruth. Amen. Mark 16 and verse 13. And they went and told it unto the residue, and neither believed they them. This is just the re- just after the resurrection of the Lord. Verse 14 says, And afterward... He appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Afterward, just this thought this morning, I believe the Lord had just impressed it upon my heart as I sat and waited before him. Afterward, he appeared. Afterward, He appeared. I thank God this morning, brothers and sisters, that there's an afterward. There's an afterward even in the season in which we are living in, in the time of which we have come. But we must know through faith that there is an afterward. There is an afterward to all of this of what we are currently experiencing. In Mark chapter 16, uh, we know that At this particular time, this is just after the institution of the Lord's Supper that we have just uh, remembered this morning the Lord and followed in in His Word as He has instructed us to do to remember Him. And Christ had just established this institution of the Lord's Supper as He breaks bread and, and drinks the wine with His disciples. And the announcement in the midst of all of that, the Lord says to those followers of Him, that one of you will betray me. Again, this is fulfilling the word of the Lord, the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, that he would be betrayed with uh, those pieces of silver. And then also to fulfill the prophecy of the death and the scattering of his followers 
In Zechariah 13 and 7, Jesus said these words in Matthew 26 and verse 31, And ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, that's Zechariah 13, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. He also then went on to prophesy to Peter, Peter, that you would deny me three times. And then we know as Christ, he entered into that garden of Gethsemane. What a place that Christ as, as a man would enter into, fully God and fully man. But he now comes to what his whole purpose of why God sent his son into this world to die on that cross, to take our sin and our shame for every man and every human ever born, that Jesus Christ would be that sacrificial lamb. And as he enters into the crushing place of intercession and prayer to his Father, and the cup is presented before him, and as Christ realizes that the hour has come, the cross is before him, the cup and the will of the Father, that he will enter into that place for you and for I to die in our place, to die in our stead. And all the sin and the grief and the judgment, my sin, my grief and my judgment, will be placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sin, your grief, your sickness will be placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And as he enters into that place of crushing, and he accepted that cup, not my will but thine be done, out of a heart of pure divine love, Christ enters into that place for every human that will ever be born to make a way of salvation, a way of escape from this world of sin and after death, hell itself. And then he looks beyond that realm and sees, as Hebrews tells us, that there's a joy that was set before him, that he endured the cross and he despised the shame and he willingly gave his life as a ransom for all men. Surely this morning we can say, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Jesus has taught his followers throughout that time he was with them. He prophesied unto them. He told them, that, that he would go through this, this awful death. He said in Mark chapter 8 and verse 31, he began to teach them. And he said that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He will be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And then he said these words, and after three days, he will rise again. He said in John chapter 2 verse 19, Jesus said unto them, destroy this temple. And three days I will rise, I will rise it up again. And early on that resurrection morning, those disciples had heard the words of the Lord. They'd heard of him, warn them and tell them of what was to come. And in everything of his life, he was fulfilling the prophecies of scripture. And then he went to that awful cross for you and for I. There he died, there he hung openly for every man and every woman that would ever be born, whether whatever creed or whatever religion, whatever color you may be, but Jesus died for the whole world. He cried from that cross, that central cross, that final cry that it is finished. Praise the Lord, it was a finished work on that cross. And three days later, we know to fulfill his word again. Early on that resurrection morning, those faithful women come running to that tomb. In Matthew chapter 28, it reads, 
The account is found, Matthew 28 and verse 1, says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. And these wonderful words of Scripture, let them echo through our hearts and our souls and our spirits across the body of Christ this morning. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, come see the place where the Lord lay. What an account we have this morning of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a moment for those women as that earth began to shake and that stone was rolled away and that angel sat on that stone. He is not here. Praise the Lord for the Lord is risen. Praise God this morning that Jesus Christ is alive. Just like he said He has fulfilled his word because he's a faithful God. Peter referencing the Lord Jesus Christ on that great day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. This is what Peter says when he preached full of the Holy Ghost on that day. Acts 2, 24, he said, This Jesus whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding off it. Up from the grave he arose, hallelujah, with a mighty triumph or his foes. He went on to say in Acts 2.29, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath unto him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ, Christ to sit upon his throne. He, seeing this before, speak of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Verse 32, he says, This Jesus... This Jesus, praise God this morning, this Jesus, hallelujah, this Jesus has God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. This Jesus this morning, brothers and sisters, no other man, no other religion, no other creed, praise the Lord this morning, no other cult figure, but this Jesus, the Son of the living God, has God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being at the right hand of God this morning, exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He shed forth this which you now see and both hear. The promise of the Father, the blessed Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord this morning that Jesus Christ is alive. Those women, their hearts must have leaped within them when they heard the words, He is not here, but He is risen. Hallelujah, He's alive this morning. In our reading in Mark chapter 16, These disciples are very much like what many people are today. 
They were in an isolation room. The disciples had heard the differing reports from their brothers and sisters that Jesus Christ was alive. He had walked with those disciples on the road to a mess. And from Moses and throughout the prophets, he revealed himself unto them. Their hearts burned within them when the revelation of who this Christ is came to them. And they returned to Jerusalem to tell their brothers that Jesus Christ is alive. Those women that had followed the Lord, Mary Magdalene, whom out of her was cast seven devils, that she ran to tell the disciples we have heard an angel of the Lord the stone's been rolled away there's been a great earthquake he's not in the tomb he's alive but yet when they returned with that report we opened our reading this morning in verse 13 this is what it says and they went and told it to the residue the rest of the disciples and these four words neither believed they them what a room to be in What a room to be in. The reports are coming through that Jesus Christ has fulfilled everything of what he had said. He is alive. He has risen from the grave. In John 20 and 19, it records this event and says, The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews that shut themselves in. And it says, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. What a place. What a gathering. Think about it this morning. These followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, these disciples of the Lord that have been handpicked by the Lord himself to follow him for those three years they had witnessed the most wonderful the most wonderful ministry this earth has ever seen, the ministry of Jesus Christ, God himself in flesh, under the power of the Holy Ghost. You remember he came out of that wilderness full of the Holy Ghost, the power of God. And as he goes about those cities and those villages, we see the great accounts of the Lord as the disciples followed him and witnessed the most marvelous of ministries, the ministry of Jesus Christ. The sick were healed. The diseased were cleansed. The demoniacs were delivered. The feeding of multitudes with loaves and bread. The calming of storms. He spoke to the winds and the seas and they ceased. He walked in the water. He raised the dead out of tombs. What a savior. And they watched him and they followed him and they heard him. They heard of his great teachings on the mount. They heard of his great instructions and the wisdom that he brought to them. And all those years he's telling them of what's about to happen, what's about to come, because the purpose of Christ to come in to this world was to die on the cross for all men. When the event took place, the ultimate event of eternity, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world, set in eternity by God, before there was a fall, there was a Lamb. And yet in the midst of it all, He finds those men who had seen all these wonderful things, tired and worn out, fearful and unbelieving. They did not believe. Saints, I want to tell you something this morning. There is an afterword with God. There's always an afterword with God. Always because He is the eternal one. It just simply says these three words to these disciples. 
shut away in that upper room. It simply says these words, afterward, afterward, he appeared. Hallelujah, there is an afterward. You know, when we walk with the Lord, when we walk with Jesus in this life as a pilgrim and a follower of Christ, there's always an afterward, always an afterward. There's never an end because there's no ending with God. Jesus said in Revelation 1 and 18, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. There is an afterward to this season. There is an afterward with God. All the saints of old will testify that in God, There's always an afterward, even in the darkest of night. There's always a dawn with God. There's always an afterwards, even with David at Ziklag, when all seemed to be lost. But there's an afterwards through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's an afterward after the Babylonian captivity. There's an afterward with Job. There's an afterward with Mordecai. There's an afterward with Peter. There's always an afterward with God. Even the grave itself, saints, this morning, even the grave itself is not the end for the believer because death has lost its sting. Grave, The grave has no victory for the believer this morning. There's an afterward. We're absent from the body and we're present with the Lord. We look at this so, so soberly this morning to know that the grave is not the end. And maybe you're Listen in, and maybe you're not saved this morning. But let me tell you, the grave's not the end either for you, friend. The Bible says that it is appointed on the man once to die. But after this, there's an after this. Men are trying to shut out the thought of eternity. They're trying to shut out the thought that there's nothing beyond the grave. They're trying to tell themselves that once you put me in that hole, then that's the end of it. But I want to tell you that's not the truth. After this, there's the judgment of God. It is appointed on the man once to die. But after this, there is the judgment. Have you considered your eternity? Have you considered where you go beyond the grave? There is an afterward, friends. The grave is not the end. Praise the Lord this morning for those loved ones that die in Christ. We will be reunited again. There is going to be a meeting in the earth. There is an afterward with God. There is an afterward in every season. There is an afterward of every valley. There is an afterward of every trial. There is an afterward when He Himself appears. You know, the we hymn, the we chorus says, when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. There is an afterward in the darkness, in the despair, in the depression, and in the fear. He simply appears. The Bible says his anger endures for a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure just for a night, but then there's the joy that comes. There's the joy that comes in the morning. There is an afterward. 
He has turned our mourning into dancing. He's put off thy sackcloth and girded me with gladness. There's an afterword to this season, saints. There's an afterword to this trial. I know it's difficult for some who are on their own and isolated. That don't maybe have a lot of family around them. Maybe you're by yourself or maybe there's just a couple in that house and you're not able to get out. Maybe you've got a letter to say you have to stay in for three or four months. But let me tell you something, saints. There's an afterword with God. There's an afterword beyond this season. And that simply means that He appears. God comes Himself. How many times in our lives have we known the afterword of God? How many times in our lives has He come with healing in His wings? How many times has He come as Jehovah Jireh? How many times has He come as our Deliverer? How many times has He come as our Prince of Peace? How many times has He come as the joy in the morning after the dark night of tears? There is an afterword with our God. What a time to appear. You know, we read of the led to see in church at the Lord standing at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I believe that's an amazing picture of the long suffering and the patience with, of God Himself. He stands at the door and knocks, but there's no knock at this door. He simply appears in the midst. He simply comes in all his resurrection power and all his glory. He doesn't knock the door. He just simply appears in a room that's filled with fear and unbelief and death. And they're sitting in their depression. And suddenly Christ comes in all his splendor and all his glory and says, Peace be unto you. How many times can we say in our lives, as the room is filled with fear, the hardness of hearts, the unbelief, the despair, and even the sense of just wanting to give up. And then suddenly, he's so merciful, he's so glorious, he's so wonderful, he's so patient, he's so kind, he's so gentle, he's everything and more. And he just appears and he lifts the doom and the gloom and the despair and he wipes the tears and he brings joy to the broken in heart. There is an afterwards with God. Afterwards, he appeared. You know, I was thinking throughout the week of that old man in Scripture and how he was told that his son was dead and the evidence was brought, his garment that he had given to Joseph. This old man, Jacob, now up in years, and he's sitting all those years mourning and broken. But you know, there's an afterward with God. And as he's sitting broken, and his heart had fainted and he's lost his strength and the purpose it seems even in going on. Then it tells us that they told him. They came and told him, Genesis 45 and 26. It says these words, and they told him, Joseph, Joseph is yet alive. And he is the governor of all the land of Egypt. Could I tell you something this morning? That Jesus is alive and all power in heaven and in earth belongs to him. He's alive this morning. Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not. And they told him the words of Joseph. And he said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him. The spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel, Jacob said, it is enough. 
Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. They told him the words that Joseph had said. And when we bring you the word of life, when we bring you the words of Jesus, they are life this morning. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. I want to tell you, saints, this morning, there's an afterward. There's a season that will come to an end. The isolation will end. The darkness will end. The fear will end. There's an afterwards with God. It tells us that his heart revived. There was a reviving in the midst of that time. There was a reviving in his heart over a reviving in the hearts of God's people. How many times have you seen the wagons coming and your heart has begun to rejoice? How many times has the wagons arrived at your door? Whether it's healing, deliverance, provision. How many times have you known the wagons? God sent the wagons to your house. How many times when you're at the wall and you can't have enough to pay the next bill. But the wagons come down the lane because God's faithful. How many times on your sickbed when you've been crying out to the Lord that he'd bring deliverance and the wagons come. Hallelujah, the wagons are on their way. His heart began to be revived when he seen the wagons. Afterward, 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 he appeared. How many times has God brought provision? Saints, think about it. When you think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you, surely your soul cries out, Hallelujah, this morning. Praise God for the wagons. How many times has he answered those prayers? How many times? Think of the day he saved you. Think of the hand of the Lord. Think of the provision of God. Think of the blessings of God. Think of the songs of deliverance. Think of the peace in your heart, clothes in your back, a roof over your head, the deliverance the great hand of God the wagons have come friends this morning I believe the wagons are on their way again God will send his wagons he himself afterward will appear questions, doubts fears, disappointments trials, denials backsliding, storms all kinds of stuff but I love these three words this morning afterwards Afterwards, he appeared. Afterwards, he appeared. He just appeared. We are so like these disciples. We are so like them. Praise the Lord this morning that he doesn't throw the clay away. Thank God this morning he doesn't cast us off. Thank God this morning that afterwards in our hour of trial, in our hour of temptation, in our hour of difficulty, in our hour of sickness, even in trouble, thank God this morning afterwards he simply appears. These men God had a great plan for. Friends, I believe God's got a great plan in these days, the same upper room that they were sitting in filled with fear. You know, there's an atmosphere with fear and there's an atmosphere with faith. But this room was filled with an atmosphere of fear. It was filled with an atmosphere of fear. And the Lord comes into that room. We read this story that he began to upraid them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. 
that heard the report, they'd been told faithfully by genuine, sincere witnesses, but they still didn't believe. And the Lord rebukes them that their heart was filled with unbelief and the hardness, the hardness of heart. Oh, friends, I believe that the church is being transformed at this time. I believe that God is doing a work amongst the body of Christ. The unbelief, the hardness of heart, God's dealing with, God's upbraiding, God's rebuking. There is a rebuke from the Lord, not because of anything else, because He loves us. And so there's a rebuke in all of this to say this is the time to get that unbelief purged out, to get that hardness of heart sorted with and repent and get right with God because God's about to send the wagons. Afterward, he appeared. This upper room was going to be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost from a room filled with an atmosphere of fear to a room that was filled with an atmosphere of prayer and faith. Oh, friends, oh, for the house of God to truly be a house of prayer, transformed from a house of entertainment and a house of fear, but into a house of faith and power and the Holy Ghost and a place of prayer. My house, Jesus said, shall be a house of prayer for all people. These men were about to be transformed because God had a plan. I believe as much God had a plan uh, 2,000 years ago. He's a plan right in this very moment, in this time. Our God's on the throne. He is the one that's the governor over all things. Just like Joseph was the head of that nation. But Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And all power belongs to him. He's a great plan. God was about to change this upper room from a place of fear and despair and unbelief and hardness of heart. God was going to change it. He just simply appeared. He appeared. Brothers and sisters, he appeared. Jesus just appeared. He came. He came into that room. Oh, that God would just appear again. That he would change that he would change. You see, when Jesus comes, when his presence is here, when the power of God is manifested, everything changes. Everything changes when Jesus comes. And here in this room, as they sat, this room would change by the power of God. God would change. You know, this was no more than a bunker room. But God was about to change that bunker room. Do you know what a bunker room is? You know, in those wars across Europe, you can still find them in England as well. There were war bunkers that were built underground. Those bunkers were made uh, for comforts, for facilities. It's a defensive military fortification that designed to protect people and valued materials from falling bombs and other attacks. That's the meaning of a bunker. And friends, they had these bunkers built and you could live. There was large groups of people could live down in these bunkers. They had all the facilities down there. They had everything going down in that bunker. But, you know, God was about to change the mindset of those disciples from a bunker room. And he was going to change it into something completely different. It was rather than a bunker room. There's another military term. But that other military term is a beachhead. And here's a description or a definition of a beachhead. It's a defended position on a beach taken from the enemy by landing forces from which an attack can be launched. 
God was about to change a bunker room into a beachhead that they were going to launch out from that upper room into that world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. And they had nothing else but Jesus working with them, signs and wonders following them that believed. He was going to change that room by his presence into a place that would become a beachhead. How similar this is to where we've come to today. The much or much of the church has become more like a bunker. You know, some of those bunkers are remarkable what they had. They had every facility in the bunker. It kept them comfortable. It kept them safe. Uh, they had oxygen. They had, some of them even had their own theaters. Some of them had swimming pools. Some of them had leisure rooms. Some of them had places where they can go and relax bedrooms. Everyone can just go about their normal business, but they're in a bunker. They're in a place of defense. They don't move out. They stay where they are. And that's so much of where the church has come today. When we've just come up into this season, we have all the facilities. We have all the trappings. We make everything so comfortable that this is not supposed to be a bunker, but this is supposed to be a beachhead whereby we can go out into the world to preach the gospel. To go out, but we make it comfortable. We make it all, we have all the gyms, we have all the facilities, all the leisure. We make sure everyone stays in the bunker. But brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't come for us to build a bunker. He came that he built his church and the church meeting together is vital, but it was to go out with the gospel. A defended position on a beach taken from the enemy by landing forces from which an attack can be made. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said these words, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever, listen to these words, shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus said that. Losing our lives for the sake of the gospel. Do you not agree with me that in general, there's been a bunker mentality. It's everything to try and save us, to try and keep, to try and hold. Jesus said, we've got to lose these lives. We've got to lose this life, but we'll find it. We'll lose it for the gospel. We'll waste our lives for the gospel. You may not think it's much, but when you give your all to Jesus, when you waste your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God, for his work, brothers and sisters, you'll find the will of God. The blessed Holy Ghost was coming. Fear would, faith would replace fear. Victory was going to replace defeat. Retreat would be replaced by attack. Depression would be replaced by joy. Powerlessness would be re replaced by being full of power. Being overcome. Now there would be overcomers. There's always an afterwards. When he appears, afterwards he appeared. There's an afterward to this season, brothers and sisters. And there's a hope and there's a faith and there's a stirring in our hearts to believe that you and I and the body of Christ is coming out of this season. But we're not coming out to create a bunker. We're coming out to build a beachhead. But from that beachhead we'll go out in the name of Jesus Christ with a gospel. Full of the love of God. Full of faith in our hearts. And full of the power of the Holy Ghost. These three words. These three words. Afterward. He appeared. 
When Jesus comes, everything's different. He simply appeared. And I'm going to tell you, saints, this morning, even if we're in a time we're finding it difficult, we're finding the pressure, we're struggling in the midst of this time where we're shut away even just for a season, and it will be for a season. But I want to tell you something. There's an afterword with God. Afterward, he appears. Afterward, he comes. Jesus would reveal himself to those men. I pray this morning that God would reveal to himself and appear by the power of the Holy Ghost into every room and every house that's represented, that's watching, that by the power of the Spirit of God, that each one of us would be full of the Holy Ghost, full of the love of God, full of faith, and ready to lose our lives for the sake of the gospel. There's an afterward since he appears. When he comes, praise the Lord, the tempter's power is broken. Let's pray together this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, that everyone that's listening this morning would know and experience a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost, to be filled with the love of God, be full of faith, and to be full, Lord, of your power, Lord. I pray for that preparation of our lives. Oh, God, we pray this morning, forgive us for any unbelief or hardness of heart. Lord, this day, Lord, would you fill every life afresh with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you're faithful. Lord, would you bring us through this season, Lord, in the victory. Bring us through, Lord, with that song and that shout in our hearts. Lord, I thank you this morning that you come, Lord. Lord, that season might last for a night, but the joy comes in the morning. We thank you there's always a dawn with God. There's always a breaking of a new day with our God. And Lord, this morning we pray that you touch your people. Even if there was one listening this morning that doesn't know you, that's not saved, not ready. Lord, I pray that you would convict them of their sin, that they would, Lord, that they would bow the knee, that they would call out to you to be saved. Oh God, we pray, Lord, thanking you for your word that's preached across this land today by these platforms and and different avenues that we have. We pray that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, that you would encourage your people, you would strengthen your people, you would undertake for your people. And Lord, that you'd be glorified in the midst. Lord, we give you the glory this morning. Lord, as we remember, Lord, that third day that he is risen. Thank you, Jesus, this morning for the resurrection and the power. Lord, be with us all throughout this day. Bless each home and each family. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord.